Hello guys and welcome back to episode number 13 of the Tom and Rory talk show, the final one of 2020. I'm joined by Tom Mangan. Yeah, hello guys, how are you guys doing? And we are going to just do a sort of a wrap up of 2020, talk about the season um, and give our opinions on the season since we last spoke to everyone, which was, you know, back in October. We haven't been, yeah, we haven't been too, we haven't been too consistent with the podcast recently, but we're hoping, I guess in 2021, we'll hope to be more active or more productive um, because we don't just want to bring out episodes for the sake of it. We want to make our episodes good as well. Um, We're just going to be more busy in it as well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, if, unless exams get cancelled, <laughs> if exa- <laughs> if exams get cancelled, so Gavin, if you're what, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so if Gavin Williamson is listening, then please cancel exams, Gavin. Um, no, so we're gonna do, we're gonna kind of talk about just we we've had we had a bit of time before the podcast where we were talking to each other, um, and we were discussing what we were gonna talk about today. And we're just really going to talk about a few things. Obviously, the season, uh, like I said, we're going to go through our worst tweets of 2020. Um, something that we're both, something that we're both actually looking forward to do. We're going to start with that, but we're also, yeah, we're just going to talk about 2020 in general, um, football. Maybe touch a bit on boxing as well. Uh, maybe do a little, little, little bit of a talk about um, Jake Paul um, and Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather, and. Um, YouTube boxing. Yeah. So, do you want to start off with my worst tweets of 2020, Tom? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Rory is notorious for just having bad opinions. And um, we're going to kick things off with an absolute shocker. All the way back on the 14th of January of this year. It's been a long time, but this is a direct quote from Rory Curry on Twitter. Right? 14th of January. Oh my god. <laughs> so happy Setien got on the Barcelona <laughs> people, people thought I was crazy for recommending him to Arsenal. Barca Defo Champions League favourites now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And then I've just gone under that in uh, worst tweet of the year. <laughs> To be fair, I'll accept that that is probably the worst tweet of the year. And that is probably the worst tweet that will come up in this. I think that is probably the worst one. Yeah. Champions League favourites and then just got slapped 8-2, crashing out of the Champions League. Yeah, that wasn't your best moment, Roy. Yeah, it wasn't. We've all had bad moments, so we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. What are the other other ones that you've got? Right, so this is one where you've been asked... Daniel Sage has asked you for your top three strikers in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, so you've gone with Lewandowski number two. Number one, sorry. Yeah. That's fair enough. We'll give you that. Yeah. Uh, Sergio Aguero, number two. Yeah. At the time. All right, yeah. I mean, he's been on a bit of a drought now. You were, I don't think you would say that now, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And number three... Guess who you've gone for? Number I'm well. The thing is, because I feel, I feel like I, I don't know why. I feel like I've said Werner. Did you say Werner? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're going with Timo. Why have I said that? Why? I don't even know. I'm thinking about it now. I should have said Chiro Immobile. <laughs> I thought it was either Werner or Chiro Immobile. To be fair, but. So you gone with uh, Werner being better than Harry Kane? Uh, do you have anything to say about that? 
Well, I think at the time, and you know, I don't. <laughs> nah, nah. This, what... is, this is something that happens. Yeah. Where everyone goes like, oh, yeah. whenever their like, bad takes get brought up, like, oh. But at the time. No, no. I when was that? When was that tweet? When when was that tweet? That was in yeah. May. May. So think about yeah. go back to May. Yeah. Right. We did a po- we did a podcast on Tottenham and Arsenal around June or whatever or July. I can't remember exactly when we did it, but. I guarantee, yeah, if you watch that podcast, there is Harry Kane slander from both of us, yeah? Even though we both rate Harry Kane, we both said that he was in decline, yeah? Um, last season, I think Werner playing from... Uh, there was there was a point at last season, yeah, when Werner had, I think it was 22 goals and 5 assists in 25 games in all competitions, playing off the left and up front in a 2 Timo Werner last season was incredible, and I will not hear anything else. Also, when Tottenham had the chance to play Leipzig and Harry Kane had the chance to prove me wrong, they bottled it in the Champions League because Harry Kane was injured. He bottled it. Werner, penalty. I haven't got anything to justify that. No. Um, <laughs> Harry Kane. Harry Kane, last season, I don't think Harry Kane was a top three striker in the world. But this season, I think he's been one of the best players in the world. Um, yeah, he's been exceptional. So at the time, I, do f- I don't think that's that outrageous. But, you know, I was a bit of a Timo Werner fanboy. Anybody- you know what this just proves? Yeah? This just proves that the Bundesliga is not a league you can trust. And no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Well. No, it doesn't. It doesn't prove it. Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz, I was bang on the money with Kai Havertz. I said that so many times that he I did say that. Yeah, I said it. I said but, so many times Kai Havertz, probably the most overrated player in world football. Then why did the why why did the Champions League winners of last season come from the Bundesliga? Well Bayern are a different story. But I would say in general I don't trust players coming out of the Bundesliga anymore. Yeah, well, I do because I don't like this Premier League. Yeah, I don't like the Premier League fans overrating their the the, the quality of the league. Um, you know, I'd say last season I agreed with that. Mm-hmm. This season, I think the quality of the Premier League has gone up quite a lot, and I'd say it's like hands down best league in the world this year in terms of just um, competitiveness. Definitely the top half. In terms of competitiveness, yeah, but I think that it's it's got the most money, and I think naturally in a year. Um, like this, where you know the money talks. I think the Premier League. Um, I do. I do think it is to do with the money. I don't think it's. Um, and look, in football, a lot of it is to do with the money. We'll get onto that later, I guess, when we talk a bit about PSG. Um, but no, I just don't like this narrative that the Premier League is so much better than every other league. When in reality, most of the talent from the Premier League comes from Europe's top five leagues. Like that is where a lot of it is imported from. It's no, no, not I from the academies. It's the most. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Exactly. I think. I think the thing is though that always grinds it with me is I. I do think it's the most competitive. Whether it's the best is a different story. It depends on how you measure the best because I don't think. Um, I think for a long time, the best players in the world, this narrative that, again, the best players come to the Premier League, I think, in reality, 
the best players in the world have been Messi, Ronaldo's, Neymar's, Mbappe's, may, maybe not Mbappe, it's a bit of a premature shout, but like Messi, Neymar, Ronaldo, what, you know, you can talk, I, I don't think they would ever have come to the Premier League, um, maybe Messi in the summer, but again, you know, that's a different story. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I, I yeah, I think the best players have still tended to go to Barcelona and Real Madrid, like the best players in the world. Um, I think that's also <laughs> just like an inherent like sort of thing in football where it's like Barcelona and Real Madrid is like the pinnacle yeah and it's like a lot of places particularly like Brazilian mm-hmm. Portuguese players like like you see with and like just general South American I think it could change though because yeah because I think with the like the kind of globalization almost of the Premier League's development like trying to reach out to places like Asia and you know like a broader it's very commercial now the Premier League um yes. so the commercial outreach maybe in 20 years you'll be seeing players um, like coming to the Premier League and actually, you know, following through on the fact that they believe that Liverpool are the biggest club in the world or Manchester United are the biggest club in the world, whatever. Because I think 20 years ago, you know, or even even like 30 years ago when players would kind of go to Italy, it's about what players have grown up seeing and like the kind of culture that's been instilled 10 years before. And I think the growth of the Premier League is now you're getting to a stage where you will get the best players potentially moving to the Premier League due to the fact that a lot of them will grow up watching the Premier League. And the money talks, like the money does talk. And, you know, ultimately, if even if you can get a move to a villa or whatever, the Premier League is, um, the top teams in the Premier League have, have now kind of adapted these recruitment models where they do pick up talent from mid-table clubs as well. Um, because... Yeah. Um, because of that. But anyway, without getting into a whole segment on the Premier League, I think, is the last one about Werner as well? The, the last no, of my the tweets? the last one is uh, a top 10 player in the world oh. uh, list that you've done. It's not, well, I wouldn't say it's the worst list I've ever seen, but you've had a few shockers. So you've got uh, Ronaldo in ninth. Yeah, I stand by that. I, I just, I stand by that. Ronaldo, who's got the second highest minutes per goal ratio of this kind of year. Yeah, but this is this was this when again when was this take this was taken towards the end of last season and you cannot tell me yeah no it was I remember doing this yeah it was taken it was done towards the end of last season or at the end of last season yeah and you can't tell me based off last season's performances that Ronaldo is was a top five player in the world no, last did season. He did, but Chiro Immobile did that for Lazio in a worse yeah, team. That's yeah. Thing I was gonna say. Yeah, because he. Yeah. You can. Why is Ronaldo a top? I don't want to get. No, we we can't be arguing. But like, we (laughs) no, we need a debate. Yeah. So for me, yeah, I'll say my piece, then you can say yours. Yeah. Um, for me, Ronaldo, yeah, is a goal scorer. Now at, at at his age, he does not add anything else to a team apart from his goals. That is why Paolo Dybala won Juventus's most valuable player last season. Yeah, keep that in your memory. Yeah, just I'm just going to start off by the fact that Ronaldo wasn't even judged to have been Juventus's best player last season. Okay, that's one. That's my first point. Second of all, yeah, Ronaldo only adds goals to his team in the modern day. And I'm not saying something ridiculous like that Chelsea fan said about Aubameyang. If you take away his goals, he's not good because that's just, you know, it's a ludicrous thing to say. You can't take away someone's goals. But Ronaldo is a goal scorer. Immobile is a goal scorer. So how do you measure how good a goal scorer is based off how many goals they score? Last season, Immobile scored more goals than Ronaldo in a worse Lazio team. That is a fact because they finished below them in the league. So if you're measuring who is the better player 
Based off last season alone, I'm not for a minute saying that Chiro Immobile has had a better career than Ronaldo. Based off last season alone, yeah, when Ronaldo won Serie A, you know, well done winning that at Juve. It was incredibly difficult and, you know, I'm sure no no other player could ever have done that. You know, moved from Real Madrid to Juventus and, and won the league there. It's just a monumental achievement. Well done to Ronaldo, you know, because he's constantly proven himself in different leagues because he's such an amazing footballer. You know, he's done it everywhere he's been. Because he's been at the best clubs and surrounded by the best teams, but whatever. Um, but Chiro Mobile had a better season than him last season. That's my piece. Thank you. Good night. That's the end of this podcast. Thanks for watching, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the reason you can't say Mobile is the top ten player in the world, and I don't, I don't believe that when you're doing top ten player in the world in general, mm-hmm. you can just take one season. And I know Mobile has been quite a consistent goal scorer for Lazio. <clears> yeah. But for example, when he went to Dortmund, they sold him within a year. Yeah, but that season, if you actually, if you actually look, if you went, because I did go into the stats for that. Yeah. 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 I actually think, well, yeah, I, 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 well, I don't know about that because I actually think he, I don't know how good he was in the group stage last year. I know he scored the, the two. Group stage, <laughs> group stage, true, yeah, I know he scored. No, no, I'm being a bit harsh. He was, he was probably their best player against Leon. Like he scored two amazing goals in that Leon game. Um, or he scored one amazing goal, and I think he scored a penalty. I'm not sure though. But that left-footed yeah. strike against Leon in the quarter in the quarterfinal was was great. And to be fair, Juve were pretty dog last season, but. I do think that Dybala getting their MVP speaks for itself. Yeah, no. But I, I don't know if that's like, I don't watch every UV game, so I can't yeah. say what that is. Yeah. I'm actually a staunch, I'm a staunch Ronaldo Juventus fan. I watch all their games. extremely harsh, considering that he's, obviously, he's still got credit in the bank <laughs> from being yeah. one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. Top five, and, definitely. And he's still scoring at that rate. Like, mm-hmm. No, it was based... Scoring, like, a goal yeah. game about, and he's like, this calendar year, he's been the second highest in terms of goals to minute ratio, only behind Lewandowski. Mm-hmm. And uh, also in this top ten, you've got Jaden Sancho at ten, which I just think is quite ridiculous. No, but it was based. It was it was based off last season. Like I I get what you're saying because greatness you can't just measure it off one season. I do get that. And if it was like best players in the world, in terms of like if we're talking about careers, whatever, then obviously Ronaldo's second to Lionel Messi. Um, like that's you know there's no there's there's no there's there's no debate about that but um if no but last season for me last season Jaden Sancho deserves to be in that top 10 because he got 20 goals and 20 assists in all competitions um at the age of 20 which is phenomenal and I've seen so much slander about Jaden Sancho this season but he's actually not even having that bad of a season he's just not doing as well as he was last season I think sometimes your your um you know early success can be your greatest downfall in this game because people expect so much of you at the age of 20 um and I do think Jaden Sancho deserves to be in that top 10 I know that James Reardon was shouting about maybe Ilicic not being in there which you know I mean you know that that's he is a fantastic player, but that's James kind of going, oh, I watched Euro Football Daily once, so, you know, Ilicic <laughs> has to be in there. <laughs> love you, James. We love you. Yeah, we do love James. And um, is there any anything else you wanted to pull up about that top 10, or was it just Ronaldo being in there? Nah, that was the main one. I just wanted to say, 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 I
I just think also Sancho, just on Sancho. Yeah. Like when you're saying a top ten player in the world list, I don't think you can mention age mm-hmm. because at the end of the day you're just judging them now. Yeah. Not judging what they're gonna be. Or, That's fair. Like, for their age, then. Mm-hmm. And also, I just feel like you've got to do more. Like he's, I'm not saying like his return isn't good. His return is fantastic. But like, I, I, for me, you've got to win. You've got to win trophies. You've got to prove yourself on the world stage. Like the Champions League things have. So players that you haven't included in that list, like uh, Kimmich, for example, yeah. Thiago, for example, I think they deserve there to be more. They deserve to be there mm-hmm. more than Jadon Sancho because they have proven them, themselves on the world stage. And yeah. Sancho, as good as he is as he is for his age, you can see now that he's having a bit of a not a bad bad season. He's having a down year mm-hmm. compared to the last couple of seasons. And he's, I also think when Jadon Sancho plays for England, he doesn't have the same impact. And I've also mentioned how I don't trust players coming up the league anymore. I think the numbers are massively inflated for most of the players coming up that league. But that was Rory's worst takes on Twitter. We've all had them. I'm sure he's going to completely break me apart in a second. So. The, the thing <laughs> is, I, I like I said before, I think on your tweets, um, I've got a few written down. And look, people can make their own minds up about these ones. I, I don't even think some of them are that bad, to be honest. But um, some of them I just think are interesting debates. I I mean, for me, you said Zidane was a top three manager in the world. I don't agree with that. But again, I know it, it depends how you what, what we're talking about. Are we talking about in terms of achievements? Are we talking about in terms of last season? For me, you were really judging it off the fact, in the context of the tweet, it was judging it off the fact that Real Madrid had won the league. Um, quite convincingly but I, I was very disappointed with them in the Champions League last season I do think they've got a, a, a very capable squad I think they should have been doing better and I think Man City you know it proved that Man City weren't actually that great when they lost to Leon. Um having said that I did think City were really really good against them at the Bernabeu and at the Etihad but I just don't think Zidane for me is a top three manager in the world I'm looking at Klopp I'm looking at Pep I'm looking at Maybe Hansi Flick, I would put up there as a top three. Yeah, no, um, Flick, I think Flick, you'd have to say, yeah. now, probably is. Mm-hmm. But um, the thing with Zidane is, like, mm-hmm. how many, um, how many managers can say they've won three Champions I know, in I know. That is, that is, not yeah. Not just in modern football, in the well, history. No, no one can. Um, I, I, apart from, I don't know who was managing. Like the 70s, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't know who was managing Bayern Munich in the seventies when they won. The great Man United yeah. team didn't do it. The no. great Barcelona team didn't. Mm-hmm. Do it. All these great teams, the Milan team, mm-hmm. never done it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't know how many other managers. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how many other managers could say that they walked into a, you know, a, they one of their first games in charge was a Champions League semi final. Like, I, I don't, I don't know how many of them could say that either. But, um, you know, I do think Zidane. There was definitely a bit of fortune about that. That three Champions League. Actually, there was so much fortune about those three Champions Leagues and I'm still um, devastated to this day that Real Madrid actually well, managed to win the three of them. The fortune does favour the brave. It also favours those who cheat. Um, and before <laughs> before the introduction of VAR, I swear... No, all, all I will say, look, that, that Real Madrid team is undeniably a fantastic team, yeah? Um, and they definitely deserved to win, I'd say, two Champions Leagues for how good they were. But that year that they beat Bayern Munich at the Bernabeu, yeah, after extra time, that game was just an utter disgrace. Like, that's, I've said I've said what I have to say about that. If you don't know what the game I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, I think it was the quarterfinal. Um, and they... No, no. 
Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, it was the quarterfinal. It, it went to extra time. I mean, some of the you know some of the decisions included um, Marcelo literally passing the ball forward to Ronaldo. Yeah, who was like standing in front of him. And there was only one, like the keeper was there and there was no one else there. So he's clearly offside and for some reason they didn't give it. Um, But there was also, there was just a load of dodgy decisions in that game. Um, It was like the battle of the bridge between Barcelona and Chelsea. Um, So that's, that's all I'll say on that one. But for me, Zidane's not a top three manager in the world. But I don't think it's the most outrageous take ever. I just thought that was one I'd pull you up on. Another one I'm going to pull you up on. Yeah. Another one I'll pull you up on is, and then the other one, the, the the ones after this are more jokes. But for me, saying KDB is a top three Premier League midfielder of all time is just, a, for me, that's a bit of a shocker. I do think, I I, I commented on that tweet saying, you 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 went with Skulls, um, Vieira, and KDB, and you put in that order. So Skulls is the best, Vieira in the middle. Um, which is, you know, in my opinion, a bit of Arsenal bias slipped in there, and um, and KDB at the bottom. For me, I I replied to that tweet. I replied to that tweet saying um, Roy Keane and Steven Gerrard had to be in there for me. Um, Steven Gerrard, who I as a joke didn't have in my Premier League Hall of Fame. I think Steven, yeah. No, the, no. The thing is with Gerard, yeah. The thing is with Gerard. The thing is with Gerard is he has to be in there. But it is kind of the fact that he's the Rangers manager. Um, but no, Gerard, Gerard for me has Gerard has to be in there for me in in the top. It it. I, I mean, I don't like doing top threes of players that really. I didn't want you know. I can't sit here and say I was around when yeah, Vieira and Keane were around. So it is kind of hard to to measure that but I think again I would have had I would have I I don't think it's the worst take ever I love KDB I think he's amazing but I think in terms of top three I wouldn't be I wouldn't dish it I, I think there's City fans would say that their greatest player of all time would be David Silva so I think in terms of one of the greatest midfielders then I'd have David Silva up there as well um yeah no, so, Silva doesn't get yeah um, the next ones are just kind of jokes, really. The Lacazette FC not being closed. Um, <laughs> and sticking by Lacazette um, to the... Yeah. Yeah. To, to the, to the you know, disapproval of James Reardon, who's... I mean, half of the, I'm not going to lie, the intention behind half of those is purely to get a buy from James. Yeah. I mean, James is... James, I think James would rather Arsenal got relegated and Lacazette scored the own goal to relegate them. Then like, that's all like 30 goals on the yeah, game. yeah, like that's true. No, James. Yeah, James. Um, is probably Lacazette's the, the you know, and um, he's he's Lacazette's biggest hater, I would say, and yeah. he's Drew's biggest lover, and and I think the real reason that James dislike and this is this is a first by the way that I'm I'm disclosing this the real reason James dislikes Lacazette is because the season that Lacazette was bought James got Giroud on the back of his shirt in the summer and then by January Giroud was sold so that's really why James dislikes Lacazette so much he displaced Giroud in the squad and then Giroud was sold when they got a Bamiang so I think that's why yeah yeah um, I, I remember going to an Arsenal game with him and he had his bloody shirt with Giroud on the back. I think, I think, I might be wrong about that, but he definitely did get Giroud on the back of his shirt the season that Lacazette was signed. 
Um, yeah. The next one I've got is about Tom retweet, and I'm reluctant to even bring this up in a podcast because I've had um, my lunchtime spoiled by ruining a by argue my lunchtime sport and ruined by arguing about this, and that is the pyramids being built by aliens. And Tom <laughs> retweeted an Elon Musk tweet that the pyramids were definitely built by aliens, and I just think. Mate, you need your head. Ex- well, like, you always say like, oh, who's smarter, like him or him? But like, who's smarter, you or Elon Musk? Mate, Elon Musk is a nutter. I'm telling. He's he's <laughs> he's a smart guy. Yeah, he's a very smart guy, very intelligent man. But he is an absolute nutter. Um, I mean, he was. Listen, we're not going to get into that on today's podcast. Yeah, we're not doing, we're and we're never, we're never ever going to get no, into that I'm on any on podcast. Episode, no, I refuse. Now the best, the best yeah. moment, the best moment, yeah, one of the best moments of 2020. Two of them, yeah, about the pyramids. First one was we're going through TikTok, yeah, and Tom just pulls up this sociologist, yeah, who's got no authority, and he's like, "Oh, this guy said the pyramids were built by aliens, so they're definitely built by aliens." Yeah. The second was when, yeah. when. That's exactly what yeah and the second <laughs> second was when we were literally talking about the pyramids being built by aliens and daniel sent you that video about the pyramids being built by aliens. <laughs> and then i called him in lunchtime yeah and then he was like nah, you're yeah <laughs> the, another tweet that i've got here is about tranmere um about to outclass man united and then man united dumped them 6-1 i think or 6-0 <laughs> and to be fair obviously that is just banter but it's still quite funny that tom kind of um was looking for a bite and just (laughs) um yeah we've also got i mean i'll just throw in some other shouts that aren't too bad but you know don't look great with hindsight either i mean maybe not signing cedric suarez would have been a good thing but recommending that nathaniel klein should come through the door at arsenal for me is is a bit of a shocker as well i mean we're in 2020 and somehow nathaniel klein's still getting a game in the premier league um and james rodriguez again do you know what i was hyping the james rodriguez i was i was literally driving the james rodriguez hype train but tom um i think preemptively um said that james rodriguez yeah was the was the best player outside the top six so those are (laughs) yeah yeah Ndidi, Ndidi's the best player in the Premier League. So, um, <laughs> no. So, um, but those are our tweets of 2020. Um, Hopefully, you guys found that funny. Yeah, and if 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 anyone has the time to go through some of James's tweets, then please do that and send them to me because I. No, James just tweets like rubbish, like you know the. <laughs> um, yeah, we have to get James on a podcast soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's going to be so good. Ga- right now, he's listening to this right now. He's loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, if we talk about... So those are our tweets of the year. If we talk about some of the stuff that's been going on in football recently, I say we do a little bit of a segment on what's been going on recently, and then we'll talk about our, the season, how we see it going. Yeah. So... I mean, before the show, yeah, or before the podcast, I was talking to Tom about something that really got on my nerves that I was watching on YouTube. And um, I'm actually like a big hater of football YouTube, I think, because a lot of people um, who think they have authoritative voices on football YouTube really don't know what they're talking about. Um, the prime examples... 
being True Geordie's The Kickoff Show. Um, and their analysis, their so-called analysis of um, the beautiful game is just the most shocking I, I think I've ever listened to in my life. Um, and I think Tom would second that, to be honest. Like, you know what it is, yeah? Like, clearly they don't know what they're talking no, about. That, it's, it's very yeah. evident when they're yeah. talking and they're analysing. That's why it annoys me so much. I can't no, I'm a big fan of. I am actually a big fan of True Geordie. I love his podcast, um, and and um, I do like True News as well. I I like Lawrence. I think they're. I think they have good banter. I like them. Their content's good. Apart from the kickoff, I just think the thing is that grinds me with the kickoff is I I I'd, I'd rather they just said they didn't know what they're talking about. Do you know what I mean? Like they do instead of pretending that they know like exactly what they're talking about. And the example. <laughs> I do genuinely believe they believe what they say. Yeah. It's just very clear that it's not very well informed. Yeah, no, they watch... I think they watch the games. Um, like, they definitely watch a lot of football, but they are kind of your classic... Like, they're more they're more like pundits. They're not, like, analysts. Like, for me, if I want to hear someone's take on a player, I'm watching football daily. I'm not listening to Paul Merson. Um, like, that, that would be... That would be my take on it and I think yeah, you know sometimes mm-hmm. I think like you need to strike a balance like sometimes right football games a bit too stat heavy yeah no I, I, I agree yeah they're not, um, they're not mm-hmm. always like watching the, the game like as much as they're watching the stats mm-hmm. Patrick sometimes, Van Straten yeah I think sometimes they're not watching the game as much as they're watching the stats and they're not like um, really like trusting their eyes as much as they should really yeah. I think you've got to strike a balance. My favourite football YouTuber is Deluded Guna by far. Oh, I've never. Do you know what? A lot of people say Deluded Guna is great, but I've never watched him. So you should watch him. Like, he's like he actually. You know, it's clear when someone like actually knows. What yeah. Like. And it's like they're watching the games, and you can tell like they understand the game, but they also use stats for context. Yeah. Yeah. Which I think that's what you've got to use. Like, if you like, especially this season. This season, I've been able to like watch more football than ever, just because like. The, all the televised kickoff like different games yeah. different time kickoffs so I've been able to watch as much football as I've ever been able to watch I feel like I've been able to like really definitely for the Premier League at least yeah they have watched loads so I, I feel like you can really get a grasp of each like team that you're watching so yeah like, when you've got the opportunity to watch that many games like you like like stats is not true yeah I think um, but anyway the the whole segment is leading on really to a, a bit of a Pep Guardiola discussion um and my my thing on this that was was annoying me is basically they were kind of going on about Pep Guardiola's um site like the rec the how, how good his signings have been um and sort of the ratio of good to bad signings and they were basically making out that Pep Guardiola's not signed anybody good at Man City and that they've almost declined since he's taken over and Basically, their argument was that the 100-point season was won by a team that Pep Guardiola hadn't built. Um, and so, basically, he didn't deserve that much credit for it. And now that we've seen him being... Uh, and for his duration at City, the team's got progressively worse. Um, and I just think that's completely wrong. They kind of named players such as De Bruyne, Sterling um, and Aguero... Yeah, they named yeah. De Bruyne, Sterling, and Aguero as and Fernandinho as the key players in Guardiola's team, and the fact that they were all there before he took over. Likewise with David Silva. Um, but what? And then they were kind of naming some of his signings. The 
the bit that really got me was when Rory Jennings, who is really letting every single Rory in the world down by being <laughs> by adopt by adopting that name, um, he said that you know think about all the other chaps. So this is to quote him. He said, think about all the other chaps that they've signed, um, like Yarmolenko. And and I just had to pause and kind of go, like, I, I was just so taken aback by how somebody could say with their chest something, like, so confidently, yeah, like, with their chest so confidently that Yarmolenko was a signing that Pep Guardiola made. So... But forget the fact that he plays for West Ham, yeah. <laughs> like that, it, it even even if he'd mentioned a City player that Pep Guardiola, so it wouldn't have been that bad if he'd mentioned the player at Man City that you know had actually been there before Pep Guardiola was there, and he'd mistaken him for a Pep Guardiola signing. Like say he'd said, I don't know, um, like Zabaleta was such a dead Pep Guardiola signing. Like obviously Pep didn't sign Zabaleta, but it doesn't really bother me if you do something like that. But to say Yarmolenko, someone who doesn't even play for the same club, who's never played under Pep Guardiola, I was just like, I, I just couldn't believe what I was listening to. Um, and the disrespect on Pep Guardiola on the kickoff is absolutely outrageous. Like, from, you know, five YouTubers, yeah, who um, have have gained, ha- have are in a position where they get to talk about football every week, and they deserve, a lot of them deserve to because they work very hard at their respective YouTube careers, but to sit there and slander Pep Guardiola, a two-time Champions League winning manager, um, who also did a 100-point season at Man City, and then 90, what was it, 98 points or 97 points? points yeah, yeah, 98 points the following season. I just couldn't believe what I was listening to. And to say, to sit there and say, and I'll let Tom take over because I, I think he knows where I'm going with, but I'm going to say Raheem Sterling, yeah. And I'll let Tom take over and make the point on Raheem Sterling, yeah. And how much Raheem Sterling has progressed since Pep Guardiola has taken over. Well, yeah, because, like, I think one point that you said which really, like, I agree with heavily is, like, the fact, like, you can say, I, the, the actual statement to say that some of the players, like, you built the team out, what yeah. It's true. Like mm-hmm. Anthony, Silva, De Bruyne, Sterling, Aguero, just as examples. But the problem is, none of those players are playing like that in that system, that beautifully, that effectively, that efficiently, without Pep Guardiola being the manager. Yeah. And that's just a fact because, like, I don't like Man City had money before Pep Guardiola, and those players were there before Pep Guardiola. So if you're going to make that argument, how come they won? If Pep Guardiola is such a bad manager. How come none of the other managers that went before him could get, could get back-to-back record points tallies in the Premier League season? Mm. I think executive season. And I just feel like there's a narrative around Pep Guardiola. All right, he spends a lot of money. But how many of the managers spend money and don't achieve the same results or achieve yeah. the same greatness that that man seems to do? Sterling's a great example because before... Before... Um, Pep Guardiola got to Man City, you would have never thought in a million years Sterling would be as good as he is now. No. And that's as much credit to I do like to I do sometimes think managers get too much and maybe a bit too much credit and the players need a bit more credit for so, particularly in the case like Sterling, because people love to like hate on Sterling yeah. and say, Oh, if it wasn't for Pep, but like give the guy a bit of credit and he's delivering and he's winning trophies and he's like creating a legacy in my opinion. Also, the domestic, the, the domestic yeah, trebles as well. I think, like, the, yeah. to win a domestic treble is um, is no mean feat at all. To win, what was it? They won three league cups in a row as well. Yeah, um, and they're probably going to win four. 
Yeah, they probably they'll probably win four in a row. And for as much as they haven't been great this season, if they win their two games in hand, they're one point behind Liverpool. You know. Yeah. Um, no, the thing is, uh, the whole narrative about Pep Guardiola doesn't normally. Yeah. Like, I don't see any other managers like um, in that two-year period of seventeen, eighteen, and eighteen, nineteen. Like, there's a, there's only a handful of managers who could have a team playing like that in the history of game in the in the history of the game. Yeah, and and also yeah, and on the kickoff as well, they said name one player that Pep Guardiola has made, like has has taken and sort of. I guess when they when they say that, they're kind of basically meaning there's taken them and he has made them into what they are as a football player. Raheem Sterling's a great example. Lawrence McKenna said Busquets, which is fine to say Busquets. Busquets is great, and he was probably he was made by Pep Guardiola. But I mean, Lionel Messi, like you know, the greatest player to ever play football. Like Guardiola built his team around Lionel Messi. Without Pep Guardiola, we might not know. And this is the thing as well: a thing that people, for some bizarre reason, decide to criticize Messi about is they say he can't do it without Guardiola. I mean, what a load of absolute rubbish! You're probably a Ronaldo fanboy, but um, like to say that Messi can't do it without Guardiola, but then to turn around and say Guardiola only did it when he had Messi, it's like you're just shifting the goalposts and using both sides. Yeah, it's it's hypocrisy shifting the goalposts using the same argument on a, like this using the same argument on the same scenario but in different circumstances. It's ludicrous. And why have Barcelona in reality declined so much since Pep left? Yeah, no, it's it's true. It's true. And I I swear to, I'm I'm a big Barcelona fan and I would give my left arm for Pep Guardiola to return to Barcelona. Um, or to see Messi under the tutelage of Guardiola for one more season, I would, and then I would die a happy man. Like, um, <laughs> um, but I just think with with Guardiola and like with City in general, I don't think it's ever as bad as it seems. I mean, a lot of people saying about the fullbacks and they haven't got a consistent left back. I'd argue that Jao, Jao Cancelo has been one of the best left backs in the league this season. Actually, Cancelo's been good this season. He's been really, really good this season. Um, and I, I think Man City have. You know, I don't think Ruben Diaz was the best signing ever. I do think they could have got a better centre-back than Ruben Diaz in the summer. But I, I don't think I, I don't think it was an easy market to shop in in the summer. Um, I think the big signing that they probably got wrong was Rodri in the last few windows, I mean. But, I think Rodri really inhibits them. Yeah. Because I think I've said this in the podcast before, but it's like... When they had Fernandinho, they didn't play GPS. And like Gundogan, I think Gundogan's a great player. Or Rodri and Gundogan, or Rodri and Fernandinho. Yeah. Is what Pep always seems to play. It yeah. Always to be Fernandinho, and then it'd be KDB and Silva. Well, this or is like KDB yeah. And I remember saying so, to you in school, I don't know why they wouldn't just play a three of Gundo, uh, Foden, and De Bruyne. Like I get that it's great. yeah, I get that it's maybe a bit attacking heavy, but they used to play Gundo, Silva, and De Bruyne, um, as a three. Um, but I think the the big problem with Rodri is that he was bought as a Fernandinho replacement, but they're different players. Um, and I do think, as much as it pains me to say it, I do think there is a bit of a style clash between Rodri playing coming from La Liga and playing as a basically. I, I would say Regista, but it is more of a deep line playmaker. I do think they are slightly different roles because. Rodri was more of a defensive-minded player, but would spray passes from deep, whereas Jorginho is like a regista. 
But I don't think I don't know if I don't know if it's been proven that a regista just cannot work in the Premier League. Um, I I think it's probably I think yeah. Jorginho's. I, I mean, I'm I'm a massive fan of Jorginho. I think I've you know, I yeah, I was a massive fan of Jorginho and Kovacic as a two. I thought that was a great pairing, but I mean, yeah. Yeah. There is a big and there's a big hole in the middle. Even though they've got two in the middle, there is a big hole left by not having a third sort of midfielder, especially not having like a Kante to kind of chop um, and destroy in there. Um, as expressions would say, we're we're polos. What what was it? Polos FC. Like. Yeah, yeah, when he was on Sky Sports. Oh my god. How did expressions finesse? Right. He's like he's like we got nothing in the middle. We're Polo FC. You know, I do like him for staying staying true to himself on Sky Sports. Yeah. And expressions is I think we both love expressions. Like expressions is a great guy, even though he's a Tottenham fan. Like I don't think it really worked in like the Sky Studio though. With him. No, no, it didn't. Like, this formal presenter with yeah. like a suit and tie, him yeah. in his like Tottenham shirt, ripped jeans, yeah. talking about Tony. Now it was a, it was a bit. <laughs> it was yeah. No, it was it was a bit cringy, but that's what expressions is kind of it's kind of expressions is persona and character. He's yeah, yeah, and I'm not gonna lie. If if you haven't, if if people haven't watched the X Files, you have to go and watch at least one of the episodes the X-Files of the X Files. The X Files, because the X Files isn't even about football. It's literally one of the goat series ever. Um, the best. The, the best one. My favorite one is mm. working in retail one, just because it's it's relatable. Mm. So my favorite one would be the one when he was talking about the girl, the the girls with all the makeup. I think that was the best one. Um, for me, in my opinion, um, because that was just yeah. that was hilarious. Um, yeah. But also, I mean, I I think if we're talking about <laughs> expressions when he was on um, Blood Brothers as well, just supporting United stand, like turning up to yeah. a United stand AFTV game, um, and when he called DT Eric Rowan from the Wyatt family, that's that that was one of the <laughs> most jokes things ever. Um, but anyway, that's the that's the Pep Guardiola <laughs> segment done. Yeah, getting back to the football now. Yeah. Real <laughs> yeah, real football. Um, Pochettino to PSG. Give me some thoughts on that. So, uh, we were talking about this before we came on, like we usually do. Spoiler. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, Pochettino to PSG. It's an interesting one. Like, there isn't many better managers on the market than Pochettino, so I do understand why PSG are going with it. The problem I see Pochettino having is um, when he went to Southampton and when he went to Tottenham, everyone was bought in. So, like his philosophy, his ideas—they were all disciples of Pochettino in a way. Like they'd all press for him, they'd all play for him. And when they stopped sort of playing for him at Spurs, it did kind of go a bit pear shaped. Yeah. No, that is fair. And, yeah. Like, um, the problem I see him having is because like the main men at Spurs like were the players that he developed, and like so they were loyal to him. But when he, he's walking into a PSG dressing room now with like egos galore, like Icardi, Mbappe. Neymar, and I just wonder will they press him? Will they do everything you ask Because playing for Pochettino, like the way he, the way they he played at Southampton and at Spurs, it's quite a demanding role, especially from the forwards in terms of pressing. 
and just for the whole through the whole team, it's quite a demanding uh, physical physical um, team to play in. So I wonder how he'll get on with um, managing them sort of egos with Neymar and uh, Neymar and Mbappe. Yeah, it's a whole different kettle of fish managing um, Harry Kane, who you've brought through personally yourself, and like Deli Ali, who's come taken from nowhere, and all the Tottenham players who you've like taken from nothing to something. So they all believe in you. Now walking to a PSG dressing room with Neymar, who probably he believes he's the best player in the world, like one of the biggest stars in not just world football, just world sport in general. And Mbappe, who believes he's going to be like the next like face of football in a way. And you just got players like that, and it's it does seem to be a bit of a toxic um, dressing room at PSG at times. So um, I do wonder how we're going with that, but no doubt about it, Pochettino's a great manager. And if he can get them brought in to his philosophy, he's going to do very well because they're very, very good players at finished Yeah. What are your thoughts? I, well, I was going to ask another question, and then I'll give you, you then I'll give you my thoughts. So this is my second question on Pochettino to PSG. Do you think he gets Messi in the summer? If he does, it'll be because Messi wants to play with Neymar. Yeah, not because he wants to play for Poch. Yeah. The, the problem is, like, I don't know if this is like bold take or like a bit disrespectful, but I do think Messi's best days are behind him, and um. If he goes to PSG, it will be because it's hard to say because I, I do think PSG could be a good move because I was actually talking to my dad about this earlier. And because he, if he goes to PSG, he's not like being the he doesn't have to be creating like literally doing everything every single week in quite a difficult league like La Liga. He can go to PSG and he can take a not a secondary role, but like in he can reserve he can save himself for Champions League games. Yeah. And like he can be resting rest in the knowledge that um, PSG are going to struggle in the French league. I think Ronaldo done this in a way because um, Serie A is also quite a old man's league notoriously. Mm-hmm. So like he's going to be able to age better there than he would have in La Liga, Ronaldo, which is yeah. why he's still picking up the numbers that he. Um, well, he's still putting up a battle goal game. I don't think he would still be doing that in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think Messi to PSG could be a good move. Would he get? Would he go there? I really don't know. I think he might. To be fair, mm-hmm. I think he was going to go Man City, and now Man City they don't seem to be the same force they were a couple of years ago. And yeah, it's, it, for me, it's going to be Messi choosing between Neymar or Pep. Yeah, I... it's just what he's going to choose, and I think he might end up choosing Neymar. And I think he'd be smart too as well because I think he'll age better there mm-hmm. and he'll perform better in the Champions League because he can be able to save himself a little bit more. That would be my take on yeah. that. I think, I think you summed it up really well, actually. I mean, my take on Poch to um, to PSG, I, I would recommend a video for everybody to watch, first of all, would be HITC Sports um, Pochettino to PSG because it really kind of opened my eyes to a different opinion. Originally, I thought it was a very, very good move for Poch. Um, and don't get me wrong, I think in terms of jobs on the market or jobs that could become available, I think Poch has taken a very, very... I I always I actually thought Poch to Man City would have been a very good move, um, like potentially at the end of the season, yeah. if um, Pep Guardiola hadn't renewed his contract, but he has. I think Poch to PSG is about as good as a good as as good a move as he's going to get um, for now. I think obviously he he was an ex player, so he has got that kind. He knows a bit about the club, but I, you know, he's he's been there before. Um, and so he, he knows a bit about the club. 
um, he was clearly their first choice because they were straight on to like I, I think it was they've they've definitely brokered a deal with Poch and then decided to part company with Thomas Tuchel because it happened very very quickly. Um, so I think I do think Poch will definitely like end up taking the job. But I know it's it's not a hundred percent confirmed yet, but it's end up yeah. I do think he'll definitely end up taking the job. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, but I think my take on it would be PSG is a bit of a poison chalice for managers. I, I don't know if I was put genuinely, uh, if I was putting Tuchel beside Poch, I don't know who I'd take because I think Thomas Tuchel is an absolutely fantastic manager. And I think in terms of managers who are available at the moment, I think he's kind of jumped the queue now above Allegri, in my opinion, out about who, like the best managers that are available at the moment. I think Thomas Tuchel did a brilliant job at Borussia Dortmund. They sacked him for some stupid reason. I don't really know why. And then um, has gone to PSG. And last season, you know, people <laughs> will forget... Thomas Tuchel won four out of the five trophies that he was competing in. And in the fifth one, um, the Champions League, he got to the final. And I don't think they deserve to beat Bayern in the final, but they were definitely the second best team in Europe last season. Like that, And they were more than a match for a Bayern Munich team who basically steamrolled everybody in front of them um, a- until they met PSG. And they were missing um, Verratti in the final, who Verratti is probably one of their, their key players. Um, arguably one of their most important players as well after Neymar and Mbappe Um, and I do think Tuchel was very very unlucky to have lost his job but he did have that dispute with Leonardo in the summer and some of their business they did in the summer was absolutely honking like I don't know who on earth decided that getting Moyes Keane on loan was gonna you know was gonna fire that like if you've got to the Champions League final you want to think how are we gonna win it and you can and whoever's at, at you know at the recruitment you know they've gone to a meeting on the Monday, you know the recruitment teams turned up and they're like right who are we signing to fire us to a Champions League final, and they've gone Moyes Keane you're like what's that about like genuinely I I, I couldn't yeah. understand it for the life of me they also they made a couple of other questionable signings like Danilo Pereira from Porto and and they've already got about five CDMs at the club like I don't know what they were playing at but. I think the writing was on the wall for Tuchel. Um, with Poch, I think Poch will do a good job there, but I do think it has been a bit of a graveyard um, for managers, a burial ground for mar- managers, because um, the likes of, I mean, Emery, what HITC Sport pointed out, Emery was linked with the Real Madrid job before he took the job at PSG. Um, he'd just come off the back of winning three Europa Leagues in a row with Sevilla. He goes to PSG, wins seven trophies, I think, in he was there for two years or he he was there for two years or three years yeah, I can't remember two two two, like that, yeah. two or three years he won seven trophies obviously didn't le- win league in in his first season but that was the probably the once um in twenty years that PSG won't win the league because of how good that Monaco team was and they were playing under um oh what's the manager's name I've forgotten his plan- yeah Leonardo Hardim. Um, who had his play had the system drilled into those players so well? People like Thomas Lamar, Kylian Mbappe, Radamel Falcao, Bernardo Silva, Tiemeu Bakayoko, Fabinho, um, all having a yeah a good Benjamin Mendy, all having probably the best seasons of their careers, especially at that time. Um, yeah. And for people like Lamar Bakayoko, 
um, you know, they've never hit the same height. They've never even hit close to the heights they hit that season. Um, you know, or Mendy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so the fact that um, they lost the league that season, they were a bit, they were a bit un- unfortunate to lose the league that season. But Emery then, um, I think, the Champions League, them not progressing in the Champions League and being knocked out to the eventual winners, Real Madrid, in the second season was what cost him his job. And he was quite unlucky there. He goes to Arsenal, then tanks there, and then now he's at Villarreal. Same way that Laurent Blanc, when he took over at PSG, he was quite sought after. Now he's managing out in Qatar. So um, Tuchel was, you know, one of the most sought-after managers in Europe. PSG snapped him up. Now he's sacked, and I don't know what will become of him, but I hate to think what could happen to Poch if he doesn't win that elusive Champions League. If he does win the Champions League, though, he might go down as, um, you know, it could write his name in folklore because no one has um, won that Champions League for PSG. And the president seems a bit like Abramovich did at Chelsea when they couldn't get the Champions League they wanted in the sense that he's been very happy to let go of managers and bring in a new one in the hope that they will fire up the base and get them winning again. Um, So I do think it's about as good a move as Poch could have got. I do think for PSG, it's probably the best manager other than Tuchel that they could have got at this moment in time. I don't think Allegri would have been the right choice for them. Um, And, you know, I'm really interested to see what Poch can do with them in the Champions League, but... I, I do think it's a bit of a risk for both parties. Um, yeah. With regards to Messi, I do think Messi will end up at PSG. Um, but I thought he'd end up at City in the summer. So whether that, you know, whether that materialises or I not, I don't know. I think he's... I think yeah. he'll yeah. age the best there. Yeah. And I think he'll be able to save himself for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And it's not like Messi has something to prove. No. By, like, going to the Premier League. He no. doesn't have anything to prove. Yeah, considering he's scored more goals against top six opposition than Ronaldo has, despite the fact that one yeah. of them actually played in the Premier League and the other one... Uh, don't get me yeah. wrong, I'd love to see Messi in the Premier Oh, I think it would be smart of I think he'd have a better chance. He'd have a better chance of winning another Champions League, which is what he wants. I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think Messi. With you saying Messi was in decline, um, I don't think Messi is ever going to look. Messi's make no mistake. Messi's never going to get the ninety-one goals in a calendar year ever again. But I think the mess. And I know you weren't saying that necessarily but I think the Messi from 2012 even 2015 is a very different Messi to the Messi from 19 the 1920 season where last season he was phenomenal for Barcelona um I think he is psychologically sort of broken from the summer um and I know for a player who's on about a million a week you shouldn't ever be psychologically broken but I think it's so I think it's yeah, but I think it's... No, but I mean, I know people listening to this, um, if anyone is still listening to this at this time, <laughs> um, I know that... Yeah, Oscar Sadowski is probably still listening, so shout out Oscar. Yeah, I'll go with... Actually, Daniel's going to be listening. Yeah. Joe's going to be listening. Yeah. And Sean Huffy's also listening. Yeah, shout out Daniel Sean. Maybe Daniel Rooney. Oscar Sadowski, maybe Daniel Rooney. Um, maybe a Daniel Taze as well, I'm not sure. Um <laughs> And potentially Matthew McAteer. <laughs> um, uh, no, but if if Messi, I know people might not think like you can't have sympathy for a guy who's on a million a week, but I think he is psychologically broken from not being able to leave in the summer and from, in my opinion, being p- p- 
betrayed by a club who he has given his life to and given them their most that he has been he was the pinnacle of their most successful team ever um and is their greatest player of all time and is the greatest player ever to play the game of football to block him from leaving effectively for free which was written in his contract um even though i know i know it was a clause that had expired but to to not let him leave did for free in, uh, in Messi recently did an yeah but he didn't yeah no i think i think the thing is with Messi, yeah is with you know cutting a long story short i think being um not not being allowed to leave by a club that he's given his whole life to and who have consistently over the past five years in my opinion let him down with decisions that they've made um in terms of signing players letting certain players go and um the managers that they've employed they've consistently let him down over the course of the last five years and he has consistently stuck by them and signed new deals um to not let him leave was in my opinion an absolute disgrace um and the treatment that they gave him as well was just horrible like you know this kind of like getting fans to like all the fans and everything your greatest the greatest player ever to not let him leave after he is being basically held hostage at your club um is disgraceful and i think that's had a massive impact on his performances and the fact that they employed that absolute clown ronald koeman to um to manage their football games um so i hope he goes to psg and wins um the sextuple again um and then it won't only be barcelona who have won it um so you know we won't ever have to listen to all these barcelona fans talking about how they're the greatest club of all time because they have ruined the greatest player of all time in my opinion yeah. and he just looks so sad <laughs> um whatever have you got any other segments that we want to go into or are we going to go into like just generally like best player best manager mate we've still got we've, we i mean the thing is this podcast can go on for a while because i've got nothing to do so yeah same. Yeah, and um, so we can talk for ages. We've still got... I mean, there's a couple of segments I want to talk about. I want to talk about the season the season so far, but maybe we'll leave that again to the end and take a little bit of a turn out of football and into boxing. <laughs> and, and, and the boxing I want to talk about, yeah, first of all, back to worst tweets of 2020, yeah? <laughs> Lopez... A, this is a Tom Mangan tweet, yeah. This is, this is the shocker... Yeah, if the thing is, even I don't know that much about boxing when I'm talking about it. So I have to admit, this is what I I think if you don't know that much about something, you should just say it. Yeah, I am not a diehard boxing fan. I will give my take on boxing and Tom will usually correct me um, and tell me I'm wrong. It's not quite as bad as Matthew McAteer saying, what about Anthony Joshua fighting Floyd Mayweather? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and um, talking about how Logan Paul is... Like I swear he was like, yeah, but Logan Paul is like so much bigger than Floyd Mayweather. Like, people, you know what? When people say that, to me, I just don't have time for it. Yeah, like, I just genuinely just don't. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get onto that. We'll get onto that. But Tom's worst tweet of twenty twenty. Yeah. 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 I can still hear you. They can hear you. The worst tweet of twenty twenty. And if people, I, I don't know how many boxing fans, you know, we've got listening, I but. Yeah. Yeah. So Lopez, yeah. 
Lomachenko, Tom tweets beforehand, Lopez about to get taught a lesson by Loma, people forget, blah, 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 why Lomachenko is so good. And then what happens in the fight, Tom? Tiafimo Lopez dominated the fight. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, like, Tiafimo Lopez is really surprised me, and I probably mm-hmm. underrated him in that fight quite a lot. The problem in that fight... Was did he beat him on points, or did he stop him? Or did, did he beat him on points? Mm-hmm. He beat him on points. No, the thing is, Lopez in that fight just utilised his physical advantages as well. And that's what he did. He just used the jab. He was stronger than him. The thing is, the one thing that was evident to me watching that was that Lomachenko was very much afraid of Lopez's power in that fight. Yeah. And that's why he wasn't really throwing as much and he was very conservative. And he ended up not throwing really a punch for like seven rounds. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then I was like watching it. I'm like, all right, yeah, he's going to get into it in a minute. <laughs> and then it got, to like, it got to like the seventh round and then he, lo and behold, he starts throwing punches. He starts winning rounds. Mm-hmm. And then, um, in the 12th round, he kind of closed the show and he's closed it strong and he, you couldn't have argued the win, with the winner. Yeah. But yeah, Tio, watch out for Tiafimo Lopez, man. He's going to be mainstream in a couple of years. Like, he is very, very good. And the thing is, because he's such, he's a brash talker, he's a New Yorker, like, it'll be like, the, I, I see him being like the main money man of boxing, the main cash cow of boxing. Yeah. And yeah, so watch out for Tiafimo Lopez. So that's, that's one of the big shouts from Tom Mang and the other one is uh, Josh, Joshua Boatsy, is it? Joshua Boatsy is the other one to look at. No, no, I mean to look out for in terms of people to look out for. Boatsy, the, the thing about Boatsy is he's like, you need to speed up now. Yeah. Like, at this point in his career, he should be world champion, in my opinion. What, what, uh, what, who's he with? Who's his promoter? He's with Eddie Hearn. He's with is he? Oh, I didn't realise he was yeah. with Matri. No, he's calling. He's really, really good. Like, Olympia, Olympic bronze medalist. Like, fantastic. What weight, what weight division is he? Uh, light heavyweight. Light heavyweight. He's very, very good, Boatsy. So, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Well, the reason the reason we really got onto boxing is to talk about the the hijacking of the boxing, the sport of boxing by the YouTube scene, especially these two annoying brothers from, I think it's Ohio, in America, who don't stop running their mouths. To be fair, I don't actually mind Logan, but Jake Paul. I swear to if if someone you know if someone did damage serious damage I wouldn't wish death on anyone but if someone well I wouldn't even wish injuries on anyone yet but if somebody just could humble Jake Paul that would be the best thing that could come out of YouTube boxing like if he actually got in the ring I don't even want to see him get in the ring with Conor McGregor I want to see him get in the ring with that Michael Bisping guy is that his name UFC yeah the UFC guy yeah who's retired the Scouser who's like is he not a scouser? I thought he was a scouser. I'm not sure. He might, yeah. be. He might be Manny or something. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but no, he he was just he was like, I'll take the fight. He he was literally like, if if what you've offered me is real, I'll take the fight. Um, and this guy like Bisping, yeah, he just looks like such a warrior. Like he's. The problem is like. But they're not even. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know anything about Bisping. 
Well, Bisping, but the thing is, Bisping's, yeah, he's not, they're not, if Jake Paul was actually challenging boxers, then, like, he could have some, he could have something to brag about, like, he's got enough balls to fight a boxer, but he won't even fight a boxer, like, I think what we should do, yeah, is we should get someone from Finchley ABC, is that what it's called, Finchley ABC? Tom Mangan would beat Jake Paul. Tom Mangan would beat Jake Paul in a boxing match. Listen, give me six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Couple more boxing <laughs> sessions. <laughs> no, but genuinely, like, you could walk into any amateur boxing gym, most amateur boxing gyms in the country, and you would find 15 to 20 people that would all beat Jake Paul. Do you think Tommy Fury would beat Jake Paul? Well, yeah, because like, Tommy Fury's done it all his life, mate. Yeah. Tommy Fury, Jake Paul, that's what we the need. Thing, you know what it annoys me about these conversations? Yeah. It just, like, just feels so like it's ruining the sport. Yeah. Like, it'll be like, this is what I was, I was trying to explain to you. It'll be like soccer rate being more popular than like the FA Cup final or the Champions League final. Yeah. It'll be like if people were like, oh, Chunks should sign for Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. Jake, I mean, Jake Paul is just Jake Paul is just an annoyance. Um, the thing is, like, it's like it's, I, one thing I'll say is like, it's a free world. Like, you, they are allowed to do what they're doing. Like, yeah, and fair play. Look, fair play to them for making the amount of money that they are. They're clearly very, very. You know, as much as people think Jake Paul is very stupid, it is clearly a lot of the stuff he does is clearly an act. And he has got a very, very good business head on him for being able to exploit his, um, you know, exploit his fans um, and also for being able to create opportunities for himself out of nothing. Like how in 2020 and in 2021 in February, we are going to witness Logan Paul box Floyd Mayweather. And we've got Jake Paul calling out Conor McGregor, Dylan Dennis, uh, Nate Diaz, Michael Bisping, like how we've got to that situation the thing is this is for me where it's gone too far yeah well because someone's going to get hurt that's the problem if you put that's what I'm saying if you put Floyd you put Floyd and Logan in the same ring it's just unbelievable like you know the thing is Floyd's not actually like he'll look really bad if he goes out there and just like really hurts yeah, no, Floyd, we we know what's going to happen. Floyd's going to dance around for a bit. He's going to, you know... He's going to have a bit of fun. Yeah, he's going to let Logan hit him a few times and be like, whoa, I'm going to lose the fight, guys. And then, you know, come round like six, because it's probably going to be like eight rounds, maybe. Or he's going to go, dush, 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 stop the fight, you know. It's probably been arranged for them to stop the fight in like round six. Like... Like, realistically, it's probably... Because Floyd's not going to take that fight if he actually thinks he could lose. And the thing is... No, no, no. But what I mean, what I mean as well is even if there's like... I think, I think personally it could be rigged. Like, Floyd could just have said... Yeah, because Floyd could just say, look, everybody knows Logan's not going to beat him. So it's not going to look... It's not going to look suspicious if Logan, like, gets stopped in the sixth round. Like, it's it's just yeah. not going to... So there's probably a clause in the contract which says you have to go down in the sixth round. Like, you know... Yeah, no, the thing is, I've been talking to you about this. The problem yeah. I've got with this now is when you're, people, when you're letting people like Nate Robinson in a pro boxing... Oh, it's just disgraceful. It's actually... Whoever sanctioned that fight... Whoever sanctioned that fight is, is an idiot. No, the, like, the California 
talking about the fake state mission, people start sanctioning the fight. Yeah. They should hang their heads in shame because it's actually a joke. Tom Mangan has told you should hang your heads in shame. So, <laughs> no, they should. They should. They should. Because how can someone never spar before? That is disgraceful. Yeah, that is actually disgraceful. Let into a, be let into a pro boxing ring, no head guards, twelve ounce gloves, three minute rounds. It's just, it's just dangerous. If nothing else. Yeah, having not sparred, like having not sparred in, is just. I don't know why he, he yeah, I, Nate could barely, because I, I didn't watch the fight live, but I did watch it back, because I was kind of, because Jake was just, you know, running his mouth, and I wanted to see how good he looked, and I just, the thing is, with Jake as well, he's beaten Annie Song Gibb, who couldn't fight, and Nate Robinson, who couldn't fight, and now he thinks he can fight Con. like, genuinely, it's not even like the sidemen beat it, winning a football game, yeah, it's literally like me winning a playground scrap with someone, and then challenge calling out Anthony Joshua, like um, it's not to that. it it really isn't because what he's done is he's fought someone who's had three months of boxing training. Nate Robinson had two months of boxing training, yeah. Um, and Gib, okay, Gib had fought Jay Swingler and somebody else who no one cares about, and then realised that Jake Paul could actually fight a bit. And you know, Gib honestly is the worst boxer I've ever seen in my life. Like, like I. Gib, no, no. Gib probably has more technique than Nate than Nate Robbins. Yeah, but I'm sorry, I rate Vidal Riley so much as a boxing coach. But that plan to crouch, like, well, he's not. Yeah, he's not a trainer. <laughs> yeah, that's what Shannon Briggs said. He was like, "You, we, we don't play boxing. Like, let's go, champ." Like, he was like, "This guy's got." <laughs> Yeah. The yeah, they are playing boxing. And and, and like and Patrick, what's his name? Patrick pa- Patrick Luamba. Is that the guy's name? The guy No, no, no Patrick Bay. Patrick Bay, yeah. Yeah, people die in boxing and, like, it's, and it's not even like just the people that die there. Like, you know I watched the other day, I watched um, Muhammad Ali uh, receiving the BBC Sports Personality of the Century on YouTube in 1999. Yeah. And go and watch that if you want to see the how dangerous boxing is on your long-term health. Yeah. Because Muhammad Ali was a state. Like, yeah. He could barely hold, he, he could barely talk, he could barely hold the award. Yeah. Because he had Parkinson's. Yeah. He was just coming from getting beaten up, getting knocked out and going on too long in his career. Yeah. Granted, these guys aren't going to go on long enough, you would hope, so that they end up like that. But that's what can happen. Mate, Jake Paul's going to be a world champion. But it has to be. It has to be. Con- it it has to be confined to the YouTube scene. It can't be fighting. Yeah, it can't be fighting pro guys. It's just no. It's, it's a joke. Like it won't, the thing is, it's got. It's gone too far now already, and the problem is, it's going to go further. And the problem is, as well, it, you know what I hate as well. The, the argument that it improves the sport of boxing because it really does. No, it doesn't. Because <laughs> the thing is, people are all brings eyes to the sport, but like. That's not saying, oh, but it brings eyes to football, but, like, everyone's watching soccer aid and side yeah. matches. Yeah, but it doesn't... The thing is, because... Like, yeah, but, like, realistically, like, real boxing fans... So, for the... Even when they've talked about putting fights on the undercard, yeah. Like, you know, like, doing, like... With KSI Logan, was Billy, Billy Joe was on the undercard, wasn't he? Billy Joe Saunders and Devin Haney, two world champions on yeah. the undercard. Yeah, yeah. Ammo Williams, up-and-coming star. Yeah. And, like, loads of up-and-coming... Uh, Diego Pacheco, yeah. really good up-and-coming prospects. And all of 
those people, like, you could walk around the school, yeah? Yeah. In the common room, and yeah. those people would have watched that fight. And, and I bet you there'll be, like, maybe five or six, seven, maybe ten people that will know who Billy Joe Saunders is. Yeah, exactly. There'll be, like, maybe five that know who Devin Haney is, and absolutely nobody's going to know who Anna Williams or Diego Pacheco is. I actually think, so, I, I think I know who Devin Haney is. He's he's the light-skinned guy, isn't he? Um, yeah, light-skinned. Yeah. Uh, Devin Haney's very good as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know a little bit about Boston, so yeah. No, I know, I know, I know a tiny bit about boxing, but most genuinely, most of my boxing knowledge comes from, um, like, if I if I had to say where I garner most of my boxing knowledge from, and from sort of um, most of like watching boxing, it would be like YouTube highlights of fights because I never ever, I think I've I've only watched like genuinely the only fights I've watched in my life live have been Joshua Ruiz at your house um and I think KSI Logan the first one and then I've sometimes watched like the full fight but like the morning after do you know what I mean so like you you can't be bothered to stay up but then you watch the full fight like the YouTube high like the YouTube full fight um you watch it like the morning after or whatever like Sky Sports if they've uploaded the full thing and sometimes in lockdown I watched a couple of fights as well um yeah. Like, that, yeah. But a lot of my oh, boxing yeah. knowledge as well came from no context Hearn and just listening to Eddie Hearn talking about boxers. So like <laughs> realistically, I'm probably like not, um, the biggest matchroom bias guy ever. Um yeah. but, probably are, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but um no, I think um with with boxing I just I don't I don't talk about anything that I don't know. <laughs> Um, so, and I'm not a Matthew McAteer who was trying to pit, you know, Floyd Mayweather against Anthony Joshua, um, (laughs) which admit, yeah, it's just like, the problem I have with it at the moment is like, you've got, um, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones with Jake Paul and Young McCall doing like 1.8 million pay-per-view buyers, and then you'll have like the week after with like Errol Spence and Danny Garcia, which is like a real welterweight title fight. And then, like, that did, like, I think, 200,000, 300,000 at pay-per-view. Yeah. Where, that's where, like, the broadcasters are going to be, like, at the end of the day, they're going to want numbers, and then they're going to throw yeah, they can... in the bin. Yeah. So it's, like, that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. But also, like, eyes... Uh, yeah. Eyes to the sport is, is, is a good way to sell the YouTube fights. But in reality, um, you know... Most people who are watching the YouTube fights are only in it to watch the YouTube fights. They're not in it to watch anything else. Like I know you. They don't say yeah. about boxing, right? If they no. Were doing, if they were doing darts or something like that, they'll be watching that. Yeah. Like that's what they'll be watching because they're mm-hmm. invested in the personality. Yeah. They're not invested. In the like sport. I watch, I watch. Um, sometimes you know I've watched the side men like Weakest Link. Yeah, I'd never watched the Weakest Link on BBC. That is actually, I do feel like that's a like a decent example to use. Like it is, example. yeah. And you're not going to go and watch the, the weakest link on BBC. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to. Yeah. It doesn't grow sport at all. No, no. It's and realistically, yeah. You would watch. I mean, the thing is, what 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 could the only good thing that could come of it is you could get like footballers doing boxing. Could you imagine like Granite Jacker getting in the ring? <laughs> That is the same thing. That's what I mean. Like, but I hope it doesn't go that way because I do think it's a really good point that the more that this happens, the more that if it grows, like 
in terms of the pay-per-view buys, they're going to want to do more of the YouTube fights and they're going to want to get rid of the actual boxing. And you could get to a stage where it becomes so commercialized that, you know, the YouTube boxing does just take over. Um, (laughs) And yeah, and you've got like YouTube champions. You've got like Joe Weller and Deji fighting and like, (laughs) you know. (laughs) The the thing, that's genuinely the concern I have. Yeah. For a hardcore boxing fan, it makes my skin crawl. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's yeah. But in terms of in terms of finishing on Jake Paul, the last thing I say about Jake Paul is he needs a reality check in terms of the fact that he's fought Deji and Eson Gibb and Nate Robinson. That's that's yeah. th- that's that. They need a reality check. He needs a massive reality he's because even even with the KSI fight, I I actually think I think I can't believe people are so like oh Jake Jake looks great Jake's him like Jake has looked good in the fights that he's uh, that he's had to be fair to him but. <laughs> Yeah, people who aren't boxers. And I think JJ can box, to be fair. Like, I don't think he's fantastic at all, by any means. Um, and I don't think Logan's very good either. But they definitely can box a bit. And the the difference is, they have both been in competitive fights. Like, they've actually had to, you know, be in a bit of a boxing match. Jake Paul has never gone... Uh, with Deji, he went... Okay, he went to the fifth round with Deji. But the Gibb fight, he was it was done in, like, you know, a minute. And the Nate Robinson fight, he went to the second round. Like, JJ and Logan had to slog it out six rounds, um, 10 ounce, no, uh, 12 ounce or 10 ounce, no head guards. Um, and, like, in their professional debuts, which, you know, is no mean feat. And I, I do think if Jake comes up against someone who actually can compete with him um, and maybe take him into the fourth or the fifth or the sixth round, I do think he's, he's going to be in trouble. I'd like to see him fight an amateur or something, like just someone who would just shut him up, really. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's that dumb. I yeah. don't need to talk much more about that. Nah. So, me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, moving on to the season, <laughs> we finally got there. <laughs> um, what we're we're about an hour and ten minutes in, but we'll talk a bit about the Premier League season so far. Who's yeah, we'll who's going to win the title, Tom? Liverpool. Do you think? Yeah. Do you know what I'm gutted? Do you know what I'm gutted about? I apologised to Luke Cole about my prediction that Tottenham would come sixth and they're seventh now. I'm actually gutted about that. Like, um, I think I all I will say about my prediction so far this season is I did say to you and Matthew McAteer a few times I think United aren't too far away from the title. I don't know if the, I don't think they'll win it. You did say that. But I did say a couple of times, I don't think, and I think this season you have to take everything with a pinch of salt. I don't think it's ever as bad as it seems because United were on the, were on a, you know, the verge of a borderline crisis. All of a sudden, now they win their next game. They go level on points with Liverpool at the top of the league, Um, which isn't going to be an easy game against Villa. Um, 
you know, because Villa have again, I, he, that's one person I will apologise to is Dean Smith, um, and that Aston Villa team, um, because I kind of wrote them off, but they have been very, very good this season. Um, yeah. No, I, I think, um, I, I, I think this season is you have to take everything with a pinch of salt because it could, it can seem like a crisis, but at the end of the game, you win. At the end of the day, if you win a couple of games, you could be in the top four. That's how. Like, yeah. That's what I said to you the other day. You're really not that far. You're not. You're not that far away from it. Like. Um, I mean, I would still say we're in crisis in a way, but it's like um, I do know what you mean when you say it's never as bad as it seems. It's, yeah, I don't think it's ever as bad as it seems, especially in football, no, because like, the thing is, yeah. a good season can go to a really bad season really quickly. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, there's such a tight gap between like Southampton and second, or like, Southampton and third, which is like third to the ninth. Or something. Yeah. And it's like really, really, really close somewhere. So it's like very. You can go from a good season to a bad season very quickly. I think a lot of the things we said in our sort of like uh, initial review of the season, which was like um, a couple of games, and I think we've got a lot of it right. Yeah. Yeah. I think we said. I think I said Everton will be up there. And yeah. Still up there. I think um, Chelsea. We said wouldn't get. In the, I said Chelsea would get in the top four, and they're not looking good for top four at the moment. I don't think I didn't have Chelsea in the top four. I was thinking Spurs is going to be title challenges. Yeah. I still think that's just because you're the you're actually a you're a closet Spurs fan. That's the problem. It's actually a closet Spurs fan. Um, but Spurs, everyone was like, "Oh, they're in a title race, and now they could be on top four. Yeah, I don't think. I think they're. I think they. Do you know what? I actually haven't seen too much of Spurs this season, um, but I've had a bit more of an opportunity over the break to watch football and um, the Liverpool game. Um, I actually thought they were really good in the Liverpool game. They were they were unlucky to lose. I don't think they deserved to win. Like Jose was kind of talking rubbish at the end when he was like the better team lost. They had the better chances, but they weren't the better team. If that makes sense. Um, like and when you play that style of football, this is what I said to everyone about why I didn't think Spurs would win the league. And look, who knows? They could still win the league. But when you play that style of football. It's not sustainable over a season, in my opinion, because if you're preying on um, opponents' mistakes and the fact that you can see games out, you're it's always going to come a cropper. At a say, take Man United Wolves again for another example. The other night, they've played for a draw the whole game, and they concede in the last minute. They can't do anything about that. They lose the game. Same with Tottenham. Almost, I, d- I don't think they played for a draw at Anfield, but when it went one-one, they were very happy to kind of sit back and play on the counter-attack and. You, you you run you're playing you're you're playing a dangerous game and you run the risk of losing um by a goal if you play that style of football and you don't kill games off. I do think they had chances in that game, yeah. but I think Liverpool were the better team. But they re- point being they really impressed me. Um they really impressed me because they competed with a very good Liverpool team. Um and they were more than a match for them that evening. Um and I think I think a draw would have been a fair result to be fair at Anfield. Oh, really, they could have won without They could have Yeah. No, they could have won. Um, Kane should have scored. Actually, I forgot about the Kane header. I was, was thinking, yeah, I was thinking about the two, the two Bergwin chances. But the one where there was the one where he hit the post, and there was the one where he kind of, it, it was like the 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 edge of his foot almost that he just got his shot wrong at the end. Um, but the one thing that I did call as well was Gareth Bale. I'm I've I I called that perfectly. I've been saying it. I've been saying it for years as well. Like that, Gareth Bale is the big, most overrated. Like people are the biggest nostalgia merchants with Gareth Bale. Gareth Bale, yeah, was never ever going to be the same player that he was coming back to Tottenham after he's not been playing very well. 
um, at Real Madrid when he has played, and he has been dogged by injuries. I will give you know, look, he was a great player for Real Madrid. Yeah, before before I go and criticize him too much, he was a brilliant player for Real Madrid. But it was eighteen nineteen, so when Santiago Solari was in charge for a bit, um, when it started off with um, Lopetegui in charge, then it was Santiago Solari, and then it was um, then Zidane took the job back. Um, but um, Gareth Bale played. 33 games that season scored eight goals and got three assists and after that I was like Gareth Bale is dead he is not very good anymore it's it is he, he's just he's just not very good injuries will have killed him last season I, I I can't tell you his stats off the top of my head but the last two seasons he he contributed very very little and I just yeah. thought coming back to Tottenham he would he could have made it some sort of an impact I think it was still a great sign and just for it did give it did give the club an undoubt undoubtedly it gave the club a bit of a boost I do think it gave the club a bit of a boost because um you know I think Bale coming in completely changed the atmosphere that you know this Tottenham team was like that Mourinho wasn't going anywhere to all of a sudden that they could be title contenders and I think it it did it under false pretenses but um, it definitely gave the club a boost and I think for that and the fact that it got a lot of the fans behind the team for that alone it was a good signing but in terms of on-pitch contributions he has contributed next to nothing um, and will continue to do that for the rest of the season I'm happy to put that on record that he won't get more he won't get more than 10 goal contributions in the league and I will pay everybody that watches I yeah that. Uh, I'd, yeah and I I I yeah, I, I, I don't think he'll get more than ten goal contributions in the league this season. And if he does, you know, I'm, I was wrong. Bale was an absolute shell of himself. Yeah. Literally, me and my brother were a little bit shocked. I'm not gonna lie. When we like, <laughs> first saw him play, we like, the pace is gone. Because the, the Mangan household is, is the biggest Gareth Bale shrine. Like, honestly, the, the, the amount of <laughs> nonsense. Sometimes I have to keep my brothers in check when they're talking about Bale. Yeah. What a load of absolute rubbish. I mean, that's just like, I'm saying, there's no part of that, that is true. Daniel Mangan, yeah, Daniel Mangan. This guy was the biggest... The, the reason Daniel Mangan loves Gareth Bale is because Gareth Bale's the reason he's a Tottenham fan. That That is... Yeah. No, and I, 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 I think that is an, a completely understandable reason for why he absolutely adores Gareth Bale. Like, that is fine. But he has been the biggest... He, he should become Gareth Bale's promoter. He has overrated Gareth Bale so much in the past two, three years. I've had to put up with absolute nonsense coming out of his mouth about how if he came back to the Premier League, he'd be the best player in the league and all of this absolute nonsense and just just factually completely incorrect um it just i couldn't believe what i was hearing from somebody who to be fair i was going to say is really knowledgeable about the game knows next to nothing about football but no, to be fair, you know what i'm going to give daniel a bit of daniel's football knowledge has gone up this week has it has it gone up has yeah, it gone up yeah i've noticed it in like in house discussion no daniel's the thing is with daniel yeah daniel is a very good i watch football kind of knowledge guy um, but he's not a very he's not really an aficionado um, no, and he, no, no. he would admit that yeah well. yeah he's not an aficionado but I don't think he wants to be an aficionado like yeah, no. um, 
And also, he knows that, really, in my opinion, if you're an aficionado but you think Ronaldo's better than Messi, then you're not an aficionado. So, <laughs> just for that alone, and for the fact that Daniel would stick up for Messi, even if kind of Messi robbed the bank and killed everybody in it, I, you know, like, Daniel is probably a bigger fan of Messi than I am. So, for that, I'll give him... Yeah, no, he he literally he um. He'll die. He'll die on the messy grave. Yeah. He's always texting me and DMing me these messy this messy stuff as well. So, I I absolutely. Yeah, I got so much time for Daniel. Um, but um, yeah, he was completely wrong about Gareth Bale. Who do who do you think's going down? Yeah. Do you not think? I mean, I would. I I do think they're gone as well because I do think two points from your first sixteen games, um, and they're scoring so few goals. Um, so I think those are the. I mean, two points from your first sixteen games. It just it leaves you with a mountain to climb, and it means that the confidence is so low that it's very hard to pick up points, even if you start playing well. Especially because the thing is, they're only 11 points from safety, which, again, with 22 games to go, is not inconceivable that they could recover that. But it's the fact that they got two from 16. Exactly. It's the fact they got two from 16. If it was, if they had, if we were at kind of, I don't know. They had a couple of wins on the yeah. and they had 11 points to go. You might have more faith in them. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they haven't won a game by the 16th match of the season, I think they're gone. Mm-hmm. Do you think they'll break the um record, the lowest points tally? They're literally, the yeah, they're literally right. getting one point every eight games. Yeah, man, that is so bad. <laughs> that is so bad. Man, they are so bad. I feel. I was, I was thinking like uh, before, like the lockdown football restarted. Mm-hmm. Like Sheffield United, where everyone's like feel good story. Like, yeah. Chris Wilder, we literally did a podcast about Sheffield United, and Chris Wilder was in the reckoning for like manager of the year. Yeah. And now, like, they're on course for like the worst Premier League season. Well, I think I, I think I mean it pains me to say it, but Rory Jennings actually said that Sheffield United yeah, would get relegated. Yeah. <laughs> it's so annoying, isn't it? It's so annoying yeah, that he's the Darth. Well. The thing is, the thing is, he said second season syndrome, which you know. But the thing is, I'm when people say something like that, I'm like, there is no way you actually thought that was going to happen. You just said it. So if it was right, you look like a genius. Um, so that's. No, the thing is, the thing is, he probably he probably did believe they'd get relegated, but I'm just so, I just can't, I don't want to admit that he knew what he was talking about. No, um, that was a great take. Do you know what? I remember uh, watching that. I remember watching that, and I was like, what is this guy talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't think it was the worst shout ever, to be fair. Like, I didn't think, because I think a lot of people forget that they do really, base, they have a championship squad. Like, their their squad is so championship, it's unbelievable. I mean, they're Oh, awful, mate. Yeah. Um. He's an like, he's dreadful. I did an article on him last year, actually. Yeah. He's basically. It's like spending twenty million on Eddie and Ketia. Yeah, no, it really is. Like, like um, when you put it like that, it's so bad, isn't it? It's so bad. <laughs> 
goal to be honest, I'd rather I'd rather have Eddie and Kate. I mean, I don't know. I think he'd suit their style better as well because he's a bit of a poacher. Um, he might just get one in the six-yard box. Yeah, like a no, but they've not been playing Musay as well. Musay's kind of disappeared, and Sanderberg. No, he didn't. He didn't. Yeah, but um, yeah. but Sanderberg as well, and um, who I was really excited to see come through, but he's been pretty dreadful, according to Doogie Critchley. He's been pretty bad this season. Um, who else are they? Who else have they got? I'm trying to. I mean, they. I, I mean, they just got a lot of players like John Egan, O'Connell, um, Ender Stevens. He's he's. Yeah, Jack. What? Yeah, he's. Is he there? Was he their captain or? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about guys like, mate, Lundstrom, Lundstrom, Oliver Norwood. Um, who else have they got? Chris Basham. No, they do have a really bad team, and like. Yeah, to be fair, I I think I, I I the thing is there's so many bad teams. Your guy Angisa's coming through well. Yeah, mate, I said it. I said Angisa was a bit of a little a little bit of a quality player. Um, Angisa's playing well in recent games. Yeah, I do really I like. That I just I don't think Scott realistic. I don't think Scott Park is great either. I just don't. Well, no, I don't think yeah. he's very good. Um, even though, even though West Brom Sam Allardyce, they'll go down. They'll go down. They're just. I, I'm not sure Sam Allardyce is enough. I think they should. I think this year actually they should just relegate more teams because that's how bad some of the teams are. Like I'd get rid of Brighton as well. I'm sick of seeing. Yeah, I think Brighton are in the conversation. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Yeah. They're playing well, but like they're just not winning games. I'm sick of seeing Chris Hamill tweeting about Graham Potter. I'm is doing my nutting every single day. It's like Graham Potter. He's putting out his Graham Potter propaganda. It is. Oh, I cannot stand it. Like you know what it is as well. Like, mm-hmm. Mate, yeah. Yeah. If 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 we were talking, mate, if it was about if it was about play style, then Kike Setien is the best manager of all time. Yeah. No, I think someone summed it up really well in the in the comments. Graham Potter is like he his philosophy matches that of a top club. But as you always say, there's a reason this guy had to go to Sweden to get his first job. Like there is a reason he had to go to Austin. And the thing is, yeah, he didn't even get Swansea promoted and all of a sudden everyone thinks he's like this genius that was working magic at Swansea, yeah. Um and then at Brighton, they've done worse since he's took over than Chris Hutton has. Yeah. And people don't want to hear that. Yeah. Because Look, like, it's it's like saying because Chris Hamill rinsed some guy for saying that Steve Bruce has done a better job at Newcastle than Graham Potter has done at Brighton. I th- he's done a by a million miles. He's done a better job. They might play disgraceful football, and they might be XG's biggest enemies. But Steve Bruce has done a bloody good job at Newcastle, especially this season when they've been suffering from COVID. Like they had a massive COVID outbreak, um, and yeah. like and they had 19 cases in yeah, and last season as well, 
They they weren't even in a relegation fight. He kept them up comfortably. Like they were comfortable. Yeah. They, they, they were safe from about. I'd say from after lock, like before lockdown, they were practically safe anyway. Like they yeah. never really looked like they were going to get relegated. Say that Steve Bruce spent more money, but if you look at the actual quality of player mm-hmm. between both squads, like Brighton actually have the better centre backs and the better like. Uh, Mate, Brighton. This is what we say about Brighton all the time. Brighton have a good squad. They have good players. Well, they have they have Ben White. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Webster's terrible. I think Lamptey's very good. Yeah. I think um, I think Basuma's very good. Yeah. I think um, they've got a couple of really good players, and I think if you've got a couple of really good players, I think Mopey's okay. Trossard. Got... Trossard. Trossard. Adam Lallana. Lallana. I think they've got enough players to be like at the mid table. And like, also think about some of the guys that Thingy Potter let go of. He got rid of Bernardo, who's a really, really good left back, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and he got rid of Aaron Moy as well. So, like, to say that he's not had the players, he definitely had the tools there. I think they've got better players than Newcastle. The players yeah. Newcastle have to play at the moment are a joke. I think Callum Wilson's great. Yeah. They have to play Matty Longstaff in midfield. Yeah. <laughs> Matty like, Longstaff. You know I mean? Matty Longstaff is like, he's a great story, Geordie lad. Mate, he is, he is living off that goal against Man United. Like... <laughs> Can you imagine Udinese were trying to snap him up? Like, what? That was like the most bonkers transfer rumour I think I've ever seen in my life. Udinese trying to get Matty Longstaff on a pre-contract agreement. Like, yeah, I think that's one thing we have to point out in this podcast. That, like, yeah. Don't get swept up in aesthetics and good football. Yeah, like, Sean, Sean Longstaff's not great, but Matty Longstaff, he's dreadful. <laughs> yeah. Like, to be yeah. fair... To be fair, I think I once tweeted that Sean Longstaff was worth... Like, Man United should get Sean Longstaff. So, you know, in hindsight, that wasn't great. (laughs) He had those nine really good games and everyone... Like, literally, he played nine games under Rafa Benitez and then he got that injury and everyone thought he was a a beast. Like, there was compilations of Sean Longstaff on YouTube um, from those nine games. And then he came back and everyone realised this guy's an absolute fraud. Like, he is useless. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, who do you think is getting in the top four? <sighs> um, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard to call. Do you want me to put it in order as well? I think Liverpool will finish first. Yep. I think uh, it's so hard. After that, it's hard. Tom, Tom was talking to himself there. Did you see? He was like, who do you think is going to get in the top four? Liverpool are going to come first. No, no, no. It's cool. You can, you can go. You you uh, didn't want to say that, did you? You you Tom's no, got the biggest Man United agenda. <laughs> no, yeah, no, they'll get the top four. Yeah, best player in the, in my opinion, best player in the league this season. Top twenty twenty is undeniable. Yeah, like since he's come in in January, they've literally transformed, and he's actually made Oli. I think before Bruno got there, everyone thought Oli was a bad manager. Yeah, but now. Yeah. Well, do you know what's crazy as well? So there was I saw this table. I don't know if you saw the table, but since Bruno yeah. Fernandez has come in, um 20 so 28 games since Bruno Liverpool have played 28 games since Bruno Fernandez has come in and they've got 60 points and Man United um so the the league table since Bruno's come in, Man United have played 27 and they got 58 points. So if they win their game in hand since Bruno's come in, they've got the most points in the league. And I think it's very hard then to turn around and say Oli's been doing a bad job. And 
I think Oli has now got the players he wants to play the sort of style that we saw at the beginning when he was at Man United, when they were playing this kind of free-flowing football. Um, I think a lot of the time last season, he was restricted. And realistically, last season at the start of last season, their squad was dog. It was pretty rank. Like, especially with the injuries that they had to the likes of Pogba and... Um, who else was out? I think um, Thingy was out. Martial was out, and then Rashford was out, and it yeah, was no, yeah, yeah, it was a bit it was a bit bonkers. But um, you know, they I think United. I don't think United have got enough to win the league, and ultimately, I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is quite good enough to win them a title. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to see him do it. I'd love to see him do it, and you know. No, I think their squad is quite good. To be fair, I think they could do. I I saw someone talking about like another centre back. I actually think they should get a centre back to partner with Eric Bailly. <laughs> like it might be it might be crazy, but no, Maguire has actually been pretty good recently. To be fair, um, but. Um, I think if they got another centre-back, that would be good. If they got Max Ahrens, I've seen them been linked with Max Ahrens. I think he'd be good competition for Aaron Wan-Bissaka. I don't really think they need to upgrade on Wan-Bissaka. Um, I think Ahrens would be good competition. And they've been interested in Ahrens for a long time, so I could see that happening. I think that from Rice would be a good time. I don't know. I don't think they need... I, 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 I think they need to get rid of players in that midfield before they sign someone for me. Like, I'd wait... Yeah, get rid of Pogba. Just get get rid of Pogba. I'm sick to death of Pogba. I am sick to death of Pogba. I'm I'm literally like Roy Keane, um, and and Jamie Carragher and Pogba. They've nailed Pogba so much. They're just like get rid of him. Just get rid of him. How did how did this guy fraud himself into like best matured in the world conversations? Mate, but you you were you were putting him there. <laughs> you said he was better than Bruno last summer. In the summer, you were saying he was better than Bruno. <laughs> No. Yeah. Um, no, it was that Liverpool fan who tweeted, who 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 had that tweet at one time, where it was he lives off this some kind of non-existent legacy that he's been ninety percent of the time he's been world class when realistically he's he's been average and a disappointment on the ninety million that they paid for him, which is true. Like he's he's nah. He's not. I. I don't think. I think he's. Look, in terms of their best, like their best midfielder, he's their second best midfielder. If you're talking about individuals, but if you're talking about their best midfield, like trio, I would say is Bruno, Fred, and McTominay all the way. Hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. Fred and McTominay bring much more dynamism. Yeah. Than Man United. <laughs> and a lot more energy to that Man United team than they, when they play match and Pogba. Yeah. I think. I think the thing is with Oli, he just needs to fo- He needs to focus on getting the balance right. Um, and I think this is what Lampard struggled with a lot this season. But Oli, as well, has chopped and changed his lineups quite a bit. They just need to get the balance right. There needs to be some sort of consistency. Um, I think Man United, if they're going to play, I don't think Tellers. To be honest, I don't think Tellers has looked great. Um, I don't think he's very good. I think he's improved Shaw's performances a little bit. Yeah, I'd probably stick Shaw in in front of Tellers if I'm being 100% honest. Oh, yeah. I don't think I. I saw someone saying Tellers was better than Kieran Tierney. I almost, you know, I I almost had to be put into hospital. The amount Tierney, I was laughing. I think like Tierney's very good, but I think um, Tierney does get away with a lot. You know, Tierney's definitely better than Tellers, though. Um, no, he's definitely better than Tellers. I 
yeah. Yeah. But um, I think because we've got this weird perception of him that he's like been out, absolutely outstanding the whole time he's been here when he's not. And mm-hmm. like, he's had a lot of bad games and people don't want to talk about it because he play, there's this perception that he plays for the badge and like he has a Tesco bag so we have to like him. Yeah. No, I agree with you but to I, an extent. I really liked him. I'm yeah. not looking to replace him. I think he's been good this season. Mm-hmm. But I think we as Arsenal fans kind of I have a tendency to overrate a lot of players. Yeah. Lucas Torreira. Yeah. That's another one of my worst Second picks. best GM in the league. <laughs> I think uh, we, that's, that's well covered ground with this podcast. Yeah. Um, Frank Lampard, should he keep the Chelsea job? you got to keep him in for now. Yeah. I think he'll be very reactionary to sack him. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, I think he'll be very reactionary to sack him, but it's not looking great for him on the last couple of games, hundred percent. Ah, I, I, I think Lampard is a bit of a. I just think with Lampard and Ollie, I don't think either of them are bad managers. Um, especially I think Ollie's doing a decent job at the moment. Um, it's probably the same with Arteta. Even I don't think any of the three of them are really like deep down. I don't think Arteta's that much of a bad manager. I don't think. Um, I think he did a good job at the start, and he's he's um, he's done very bad. He's done very poorly this season. But I don't think he's a bad manager. I just don't think he's of the. He's not of the standard um, of an Arsenal manager. The same way that. I have been talking about relegation. But uh, you were I'm never not. ever going to get relegated. It was a no, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is a sackable offence, and I don't think... But what I mean is, I don't think Arteta is necessarily a bad manager. I just don't think he should be the manager of Arsenal Football Club. Um, we'll see how it goes. Like, at, at, at the moment, I would say he's not good enough and we should get someone else. But like, things can change, can't they? We can put a bit of form together. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it looks much better. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I think... I think... I, I'm still waiting for Allegri to be appointed in the Premier League. <laughs> um, I would like yeah, Thomas Tuchel would be brilliant. I I think, but I don't think Arsenal are going to sack Arteta and get to uh, no, Tuchel. But Tuchel, I don't think Tuchel, and this isn't me. I think Tuchel would have taken the Arsenal job two or three years ago if if he was like out of management. I don't think he'd take it now because I think there. I think someone coming into that Arsenal job now would have an almighty task ahead of them. I really do. Like I think yeah. that. And I think Arteta is about the best you can get at the moment because he's someone who's gonna, who's willing to take, who's willing to have the job and work with the players he's got whilst improving it. Whereas I don't think someone like Tuchel or Allegri would walk in and take that squad just because I do think the squad's really poor, really poor. It's really shocking. It's really bad. Like, it's terrible. It's a terrible squad. Yeah. Like, I... For me, there's only a couple. Uh, there's a handful of players which I would like to take us to take. Mm-hmm. And that's really Saka Martinelli, Tierney, Leno, Partey, Gabriel, and Bamiang probably. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bamiang, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a Bamiang. I know he's been. I know it, it depends. Look, I'd the give him. Is, it's like it's like he can he can just flip the switch and he can have a couple of games where he scores goals and then all, everyone 
everyone loves him again. So if fun. he gets more than 15 this season, do you think he'll get more than 15 goals this season? Yeah. yeah. Probably not, the way things are going. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, he can put form together. That's the thing about Aubameyang. Like, but it's just, like, uh, it's hard to explain. It's yeah. It's, like, really difficult to because, like, last, the last couple of seasons, he's been, like, top goal scorer of the Prem, like, in terms of goals to minutes ratio. And all of a sudden, this season, he's been absolutely terrible, like, one of our worst players. New contract like, curse. So, you, the thing is, you've got the knowledge that he's got, like, 20 goal seasons in him, so it's difficult. But, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we're gonna. We're, it seems like every episode we end up talking a bit about Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say. So I don't think I ever answered my top four. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I'd say. Uh, I I say Liverpool to win the league because I just think they look like the most. They look like the most steady out of all the teams. Um, but that is a bit of a bore. It's a bit boring, but I do think they will win it. Um, I then have. Man United second, based off how things are going at the moment. Man United or Man City second, um, second or third. One of them will get second or third, and then in terms of fourth, I really don't know. It's anyone. It's it's there. It's up for grabs. I'd say it's probably between Chelsea and Tottenham. I don't think Everton would quite have enough to finish in the top four. I think it's I don't think Leicester are good enough either. I think they'll fall off. 17 points in the last 17 games last season. For me, it just they just haven't got it in them. I'm I you know, and um, I'm a big fan of a lot of Leicester's players. The likes of Ndidi, Madison. I think Ndidi and Madison coming back have made a big difference. Um, Harvey Barnes. I love that guy, man. He's been popping up for me in uh, fantasy football, and he's been coming in clutch recently. Yeah. I think Edom's has been every time I watch Leicester, like, very, very good. Do you know who I want to give a quick shout out to as well? Who? Anwar and El Ghazi. <laughs> I was messaging you about this guy. Tom raging about El Ghazi because I put him in my fantasy team. Mate, it was after he got the after he bagged two against was it who was it? Was it West Brom? I, I think it was West yeah. Brom. He bagged two against West Brom. I thought I'm sticking him in the team for the Crystal Palace game. They've just lost seven nil, and El Ghazi takes Villa's penalties, um, and then he banged in, yeah, and then he banged that goal in for, with his right foot. First time, I was I couldn't believe it. I was absolutely over the moon, and then I think this week he he might have been subbed into my team as well because I actually had him on the bench for the Chelsea game, but he bagged. And I think because of all the zeros that I got for none of my players playing because of COVID, um, El Ghazi got me a few points. So that's the story of my love affair with Anwar El Ghazi. Yeah. Where do you think Villa will finish this season? Mid-table. I, I, yeah. Mid-table. Um, yeah, I, I think mid-table, could. there could be a whole host of teams in mid-table. I've been pretty impressed with West Ham this season. Um, yeah. I, I think Wolves of uh, Nuno's doing a great job at Wolves. I think without Neto Jimenez, yeah, I I watched Neto. I, I I watched Neto the other night against United, and I thought he was quite poor. But I don't think Wolves. I think that was more because they were really defensive the other night. I don't necessarily think that was Neto's yeah. fault. He was kind of starved of service up there. Um, I don't think Neto's 
the finished article, but I do think he'd be a decent signing. Um, I can't understand though Man United fans saying that they would take Neto over Jadon Sancho like when you think about paying 60 million for Pedro Neto who looks to me he looks still quite raw he looks good but he's quite raw or paying 100 million for Jadon Sancho I'm I'm paying 100 million for Jadon Sancho every day of the week Um, it's like at the moment you'd have to say Sancho's the better player yeah but the thing is like he could come to the Premier League it could not work out yeah like, but yeah, that's how Neto could go to Man United and it could not work out. No, yeah, no, hundred percent. You'd you'd sign Neto, don't get it twisted at the moment. No, not to stop, sorry. Someone clipped that. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, no, at the moment you'd sign Sancho, don't get. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I no, I think Wolves could be Wolves will be in that eight to twelfth region. I think Leicester could be there. Southampton as well. West Ham, um, yeah, Villa. Well, I just think I think the thing is, well, it depends. Yeah, Leicester might Leicester might be seventh actually. I was, I mean, kind of even if we're saying seventh to twelfth, I think it's anyone's game out of those teams, um, because you kind of got. I think Tottenham and Everton will kind of be fifth. I think Tottenham will come fifth or sixth. Everton will be fifth or sixth, and then I think it will be Leicester, and then yeah, then anybody from West. But even seventh, seventh downwards could be 7th to 12th could be a whole host of teams um that we've just mentioned um i have to say i i, I would give um shout outs to david moyes who i think is doing a great job hassan yeah. huttle who's doing a really good job at southampton um i'd say as well i think i think ollie's doing a good job yeah i do have to give i i, I like ollie and i i think I'm, you know if you go back to our united podcast last year i did say i'd stick by him Tom said yeah, that, it's weird because like, I think um, in that podcast I was like bring in Paul Mitchell and Pochettino yeah. and start and now I'm at a stage where I'm like you you have to respect what he's doing at yeah like they're legitimately in the title race at the moment yeah and I think so, and I think as well they I don't think Oli got the players that he wanted in the summer I don't think they backed him um, because I don't think he wanted, I don't think he wanted any of the guys that he got. I think Tellez and Van der Beek were signings that they made because they they knew they could make them, and that they would slightly appease the fans. I don't, I don't think that I think they did. They probably did want a backup left back, but they wanted Reguilón. Um, they didn't yeah. want Tellez, and they didn't get Reguilón. Um, they wanted Gabriel. They didn't get Gabriel. Um, they wanted Sancho. Obviously, Sancho was the priority, and they didn't get Sancho. Um. So you know, and to end up with kind of we're getting Cavani, um, and Van der Beek, who I don't think Oli wanted, based off the fact that he's barely played him, and Tellez, um, I don't, I, and Tellez, I, who I think is pretty average, Cavani, who I think Cavani's added a really good option there, but I still, yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone, I, I think Cavani is probably the best, their best signing of the summer by a distance. I think Cavani adds something that they probably didn't have, which is an out and out striker. Um, but no, I do think, I, I think, you know, considering the issues with the recruitment that they had in the summer, I think Oli's doing an exceptional job. Um, but yeah, I would I would say David Moyes and Hassan Huttle, just because they've been going under the radar a bit. I think Nuno's doing an excellent job. I'll give credit to Brendan Rodgers as well because I do think he's doing really well with Leicester at the moment and Don Carlo. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think covering the managers that deserve credit. There. And I think Sean, I think Sean Dyche as well for just you know consistently. I wouldn't say based off 
this season. I, no, I just think um, I think he deserves a, a tiny bit of credit though for just you know consistently keeping Burnley as this well-drilled you know well when realistically they've got the same sort of squad as Sheffield United. Um, and I just think it shows how hard the job and how good a job Sean Dyche has done really at Burnley that Sheffield United have imploded so much this season. Um, so that's just that. That's my that's my final piece. And I think. Mate, we could go on for, you know, we could go on for three more hours, and I don't think we'd. <laughs> I don't. I think we could. We should draw it to a conclusion while we can. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. No, it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you, Tom, as always. Yeah, we'll try and do as many like as, as a podcast as much as we can, but we do have other priorities at the moment with like eight hours. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Next. We'll keep you posted. Hopefully, we can stick to our one every two month schedule. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, when when it after I've got the dates for the for my exam, my final exam. So I'll get my final exam up here. The date quickly. Have <laughs> you already got uh, these dates? Yeah, I got them dated just because I thought I'd check the dates. So my final exam is on Thursday, the twenty fourth of June. So best believe on Friday, the twenty fifth of June, you're getting a Euro twenty twenty one podcast. Yeah, um, and you can keep you can keep me to my you can hold me to my word on that. And um, I think next year we 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 will be really really active as well because Tom's Tom's going off to bloody uni and um. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, we won't be very. We we are not promising much for twenty twenty one. Basically, <laughs> yeah. Don't expect. Too much. Yeah, don't expect. But as always, not um, that anyone's like that anyway. yeah, exactly. <laughs> not that anyone's waiting for these podcasts to come out. And um, what I was gonna say is, we will be doing. We do want to kind of. We discussed, you know, um, very very. We've we've had very very few discussions on this, but we did discuss doing a, um. A, a year anniversary podcast in February for like a a landmark of um of one year doing the podcast like a year special. So if anyone's got any suggestions for that, then fire away. And if anyone wants if to, anyone that... yeah. exactly, if anyone wants to come on, you're more than welcome to. Um, we're happy to have guests on. Um, and I think when we did have guests on, it worked really well. So if you do want to get on get involved in the podcast, just please let us know. Approach us in the common room. Follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, um, you know, Snap. yeah, on Snap as well. Um, and we will be back in 2021 with maybe three or four episodes before June. <laughs> um, but until then, um, as always, please let us know if you've got any suggestions for a podcast because, you know, we will do them. Um, Fabian McCarthy was, you know, lobbying for a Sheffield United podcast and we did it. So, you know, we will we will do podcasts. Deliver on the women. Yeah. Exactly, we all deliver on the will of the people. Um, so please do let us know if you want to hear us talk about anything. It doesn't actually have to be about football, but preferably it would be about football because yeah. I don't want anyone suggesting a pyramids podcast. Um, but yeah, anyway, <laughs> please. Yeah, make yeah yeah. Make sure to leave your feedback on this podcast follow us on instagram twitter snapchat send us suggestions if you see us in person make sure to um you know give us your suggestions as well and we'll talk to you guys soon see you later